Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Forgotten True Crime by Oki Investigations, the true crime podcast where we tell the stories of crimes that happened long ago. If you are a true crime fan, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That way, when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Also, check us out on Facebook at Oki Investigations and visit our blog truecrime.blog where we post a lot of the cool things that we find for each episode this episode a fatal decision in new york has a lot of exciting and really cool stuff for you to dig into make sure you go there and check it out parts of the story may contain opinions and speculations and should be taken as such these stories depict violent crimes of all types and may be a trigger for some listeners Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. I hope you are all well. I've got a unique story for you today. One that keeps going even after the verdict. I really like these because they give me many more avenues to research and find out little tidbits about each person in different parts of their lives. You would be surprised how much can be found when you do just a little bit of digging. This story takes place during World War I in Binghamton, New York. Albert Latham knew this time was coming, and when it did, he didn't fight it. During the Great War, some 2.8 million Americans would be drafted into military service. The one thing that he was worried about was that he and his wife had been separated for some time. They tried to stay together, but things were just not working out between them. But in light of being drafted and going to war, Albert contacted his wife, Gertrude, and asked if he could write her while he was gone. Gertrude agreed, but made no promises that she would write back often or even at all. But as the war went on and letters kept coming in, Gertrude started writing back. For many on the battlefield, it was these letters that helped them survive. For Albert and Gertrude, it was how they fell back in love with each other. Albert survived the war and came back a family hero. He served his country and saved his marriage. They decided that living apart was no longer needed, and they found a beautiful home number four Highland Avenue in Binghamton, New York. Actually, if you Google that address, you will find that the home is still standing. It's a charming neighborhood and has been well-loved. When the couple first moved in, they were known as the cute, loving couple. But it didn't take long for some of that to change. 
over the next couple of years, they would soon be known as the couple that was, well, always fighting. In 1922, things were particularly hard for the Latham family. Albert had been laid off from several jobs, and Gertrude was trying to make ends meet by working in a shoe factory. Their tempers were as high as ever at home due to their day-to-day stress building up. Then on one fateful day, Friday, March 3rd, 1922, five unmistakable gunshots were heard. They came from number four Highland Avenue. Albert came limping from the home. He clutched his hand, which was bleeding profusely, and he was also bleeding from a head wound. He looked as if he were in a terrible state. He quickly went to the neighbor's house, one that he knew could help him. It was the home of Officer Earl D. Fish. Earl's wife attended to Albert's wounds as Earl made a phone call to the local station. He relayed the information that Albert told him that his wife had a gun and had shot him and threatened to shoot herself. Moments later, Captain Lewis DeWitt and several other officers arrived and stormed the Latham home. There they found 28-year-old Gertrude Latham dead on the floor. Right away, detectives were on the scene, and they knew that there was something fishy going on. They found Gertrude dead in the bedroom doorway, and lying on the floor face down. The gun was on the floor on the other side of the room. Detectives believed that if she had shot herself, it would be next to her body. The other thing that worried detectives was the number of times she supposedly shot herself. She had three wounds, two to the chest and one to the head. It's not uncommon for a suicide attempt to fail, causing a person to try again, but something about this just didn't really add up. Albert was taken to the hospital. They worked on his hand the best they could. It was severely damaged from the shot. The doctor asked Albert how he got the wound on his head, and Albert didn't quite know. He told the doctor that he believed that when he looked down at his wounded hand, he thought his wife hit him with the butt of the gun. Upon examination, it was found that the wound was actually a bullet graze. It was just inches away of striking him in the brain and would have killed him instantly. It actually produced uh, quite the scar along his face and his head. When interviewed by detectives, Albert was still in the hospital, and they pressed Albert for details on what happened. They wanted to get his story down as quick as possible because they weren't really able to question him there at the scene. Albert started telling a story, and this was his statement. My wife befriended a disreputable woman. And they began hanging around. I asked her time and time again not to go with her and pleaded with her to stay away from the woman. But still, 
she continued to accompany her to wild parties. She had a terrible temper, but I loved her just the same. I don't know why she would try to take my life, for I have always treated her on the square. Last night, when I went home to supper, she was apparently preparing herself for another party, and I again pleaded with her to cut that woman out. After supper, we went to the dining room. This is situated between the parlor and the kitchen. We had a chat, and I tried to tell her what a terrible woman this married companion of hers was. I didn't seem to be able to impress her, so I finally decided to leave the house forever. I told her several days ago that I would leave her, as I did before the World War, several years after our marriage. But she didn't seem to care whether I did or not. But last night, I was determined to leave for good. I left the dining room and walked into the bedroom. She was following directly behind me. I took my hat and coat down off the hook and placed them on the bed. Then I walked over to the dresser and placed several little articles together. She was in the room all this time, and I looked up at her. I could nearly tell something was running through her mind. I walked over and picked up my traveling bag, which was standing in the back of the bedroom door, and placed it alongside the dresser. It was when I was placing my collars and ties in the bag that she first attacked me. She had the gun in her hand, and the only thing I could do was grab her and hold on. It was in the dresser drawer where I had all of my collars. The detective immediately asked, how did she get a hold of the gun when you were standing in front of the dresser? Albert replied, I had just bent down and put some collars in the bag when she reached over my shoulder and grabbed it. I dropped all the collars in my hand and dove for her just as she was preparing to shoot. She had the gun clutched tight in her hand and I couldn't take it from her. I grappled with her for several moments trying my best to make her drop it on the floor. I had my hand around the muzzle of the gun and was pushing her arm back when she pulled the trigger. A bullet whizzed through my hand. It stunned me, and I lost my power. I let her go then, and I walked over to the door, never believing that she would fire another shot. I was standing near the room, my head bowed down, holding my hand to keep the blood from flowing rapidly. When I received another awful jolt, I didn't know she shot me or hit me on the head with the butt of the gun until I arrived here at the hospital, and the doctor told me that I had two bullet wounds, one in the head and one in the hand. It was then he suggested that this was the moment he would flee from the house, and she would soon after take her life. Albert's story quickly made its way to the press. Many believe the story of a domestic squabble gone bad. Some question whether or not Albert was genuinely telling the whole story, though. Little did Albert know his wife's autopsy was just completed just hours after his statement to the police was made. And it was telling a completely different story. The coroner was very quick with the assessment of the case. 
They found that Gertrude was shot once in the back of the head. This did not kill her. They also looked to two wounds on her chest. One of the bullet wounds was in her back, so they knew that she was shot from behind. The other was in front and in the heart and was a fatal wound. The coroner believed that Gertrude died just moments after this shot. There was no way that Gertrude could have shot herself in the back. This information was quickly relayed to police detectives on the case who immediately returned to interview Albert in the hospital again. Things were just a little different now. They let Albert tell his story. They took everything down word for word. And now they had the evidence to show that what he told them was not the truth. They would be able to leverage this when they pressed him for a confession to what really happened. Albert was surprised that detectives were back to interview him so quickly. He was probably glad that they were gone. But when they returned, they had come back with challenging questions that Albert would have to answer. Right away, they reminded Albert of what he had told them. Then they told him about the autopsy and how it didn't match up with his story. Albert seemed shocked and ashamed as they described the wounds to the back of the head and how horrible it all was. At first, he tried to deny killing his wife, but he soon broke and started confessing to what really happened. You see... Albert had become suspicious that his wife had been going out with other men. She would go to work, and then she would go to the theater before returning home. This was on top of going out with friends and meeting new people. Albert was quite jealous that his wife was becoming more independent and suspected that she had been helped along by another man in her life. So... On the morning of the murder, Albert kissed his wife goodbye as she left for work. She told him that she would be going to the theater, that he could meet her on Court Street at 10 p.m. if he wanted to walk her home. Albert was determined to see if his wife was actually going to the theater or if she was going somewhere else with another man. So that day, he stopped at the store, and he bought bullets for his gun. Then, when he got home, Albert loaded the weapon, and he states that he placed it in the side table drawer. Around the time that Gertrude got off work, Albert waited near the theater to see if his wife showed up, and if anyone was with her. He waited and waited. But the crowd that came and went, he did not see her. So then he waited near the place that his wife told him that she would be meeting him. By this time, Albert had spent all evening trying to catch his wife cheating on him. All this time, he was working up these ideas and thoughts in his mind about what could possibly be going on. Then around 10 p.m., he spotted his wife in the distance. Albert stated that he thought he saw her say goodnight to another man. 
She then proceeded down the street and Albert waved her down and she spotted him and just cheerfully walked up to him. Albert immediately started asking about the other man and accusing Gertrude of cheating on him. Gertrude refused to fight in public. She hated looking like a couple that fought all the time, even though many people knew that they did often. So they went home. And as soon as they walked through the front door, Albert again accused Gertrude of stepping out on their marriage. Gertrude denied the accusations, and according to Albert's confession, he then told Gertrude that he was leaving her, and that's when he walked to the bedroom to gather his things. He said that Gertrude followed him, and when she saw the gun, she grabbed it. Albert grabbed the front of the weapon, and Gertrude fired it, shooting through his hand. Albert then screamed, and this all alarmed Gertrude, who let go of the gun. Albert then took the gun and he pointed it at Gertrude. She turned her head away and he fired it, striking her in the back of the head. He then said he grabbed her before she could fall and he tried to kiss her as if he were just coming to his senses and wanted to make up. But she pushed him away and called him a coward. This enraged Albert even more, and he then shot her two more times, once in the chest and once in the back. He stated that her last words were, Oh, Al. The detectives took down Albert's statement, and they had him sign it, so that it would be near impossible to fight if he changed his story later on. Albert was arrested, and once he was released from the hospital, he was booked in the local jail to be held for trial on first-degree murder charges. The trial was set to begin in June 1922, just three months after the murder. Albert was able to get an attorney, and together, they put together a deal for the state. Albert would plead guilty to second-degree murder, a lesser charge that did not carry the death penalty, and he would not fight that charge. The state didn't take long to think about it. The trial would set them back about $12,000, they estimated. Adjusting for inflation, that's about $197,000 in 2021 American bucks. They also didn't know if they could prove that Albert planned the murder ahead of time, something they would have to prove for a first-degree murder charge. So they accepted the deal and dropped the charge to second-degree murder. Now, personally, the only thing that they probably would have had is the fact that he went down and bought the bullets for the gun before he committed the murder that day. It kind of seems like he was planning something there. But as we all know, we are all free to go to the store whenever we want and buy bullets. So can't really charge him for that. In June of 1922, Albert was sentenced to life in prison. This carried a minimum of 20 years in prison. He was initially sent to the Auburn prison. 
Through the years, Albert served his time well. He quickly started working within the prison and worked his way up to a full trustee, someone who the guards believed that they could trust. He was then assigned to a road camp where the workers would spend their time working and repairing highways. These camps were not guarded very well, and the prisoners were kept in army-style tents instead of prison cells. On July 28, 1930, three inmates walked out of camp and escaped, and one of them was Albert. The odd thing about this was that Albert was actually coming up for a review for parole. He didn't know it, but they were about to look over his case and see if they could let him out early for good behavior. This escape ruined that chance. He was caught in Cortland, New York, when he asked for a ride from a truck driver. The truck driver became suspicious about Albert's behavior when he dropped him off on the side of the highway, and then he saw Albert running into the woods as if he were just trying to get out of sight. The truck driver alerted the police just in case and gave a description of the person that he gave a ride to. They searched the area and found Albert, who was trying to hide out. A year later, Albert came up for parole in 1931 and was denied. This would happen three more times until 1937, he would be given his freedom. He moved to the Cortland YMCA after his release. This is, at the time, this was kind of like a halfway house or a homeless shelter, if you will. He quickly found out how hard life would be for a felon after leaving prison. On September 14, 1938, Albert committed suicide. He was found by workers at the YMCA who helped him with his housing. I believe that's how he died. I couldn't find any record or anything of his death. I couldn't find anything like a headstone or anything like that that would help out there. Um, so I'm pretty sure that suicide attempt was his end. Gertrude grew up in Pennsylvania. That's where her family was from. After she died, her family brought her back home and they buried her under her maiden name in a cemetery there in Pennsylvania. From some of the stuff that I found and read about her life, it sounds like Albert had really kind of consumed her when they met they had quickly gotten married, not really knowing each other. Gertrude was actually about to marry somebody else when she met Albert, um, somebody that her father really liked. And then whenever she met Albert, uh, she ran away with him and they, they got hitched. Things just did not work out for them. They were kind of a toxic couple. It's a very sad story all the way around. Anyways... I hope you all enjoyed this story. Uh, if you did, do me a favor. Could you rate this podcast for me? With the podcasting networks, that helps us so much. They're more likely to recommend a podcast that has more reviews than one that doesn't. And I know on most of our networks, we have at least a few reviews. 
but if you have the time, give us a review. I would greatly appreciate it. Anyways, I will see you all next time. I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. See ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.